Hello, I'm real glad you joined us online today. All of us want to feel good about ourselves, don't we? I certainly do. Who wants to feel bad about themselves? That's that's a sickness. However, when we're trying to learn a new skill, we often feel clumsy and stupid, and those aren't really good feelings. When learning a new skill, it's easy to get frustrated as we try to figure it out because we're not getting it right. I want you to think about a time that a coach or a personal trainer or a music teacher was trying to help you develop a new skill. If it's a difficult skill to master, it's hard enough to learn it, but the kindness or not of the coach, the personal trainer, or the teacher will likely determine your motivation level, or it will boost it uh, for learning the skill or not, continuing to develop in that skill. I took cornet lessons for a week, which is a small trumpet. Um, and the teacher didn't have much of a personality, but but that's that's not the point of my story. The The next week... I had a basketball game, so I quit taking coronet lessons altogether. I I do know, though, how to make noise out of the mouthpiece, which is about as far as I got. It's a very difficult skill to learn. Now, I, I wasn't going to be a basketball star. I, I can't jump. Music, however, would have been something good to know about. But I had the perspective of a 9 or 10-year-old, so I quit. If I had the perspective of a 64-year-old, the age I am right now, I might have chosen differently. Perspective is crucial in our pursuit of wisdom. We need to understand not only where wisdom comes from, but how to pursue wisdom, how it develops in us. It comes from God himself. We've seen that. And God wants to be our personal coach, trainer, and teacher of wisdom. And he is very kind. He he motivates us to pursue wisdom over and over again. Through his word and his spirit, he develops wisdom in us. And as I've said, he has built the principles of wisdom into the way life works best. We either align with wise principles or we hurt ourselves against them. As I said in a recent message, God is very gracious and kind, but Lady Wisdom is not. Lady Wisdom is personified as a woman, of course, she's a lady, in the Bible book of Proverbs, and she has a goal. Wisdom's goal is to help you develop skill in relating to people and handling life successfully. If you pursue wisdom diligently, she works to develop it in the middle of life. Proverbs 1, 20 through 21 says, Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. 
At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. We looked at this same kind of passage in Proverbs 8 in the last message series. But the point is, she's calling out in the streets and public squares, in the hustle of bustle of living life, because she's trying to teach us how to handle life well. And if you're going to learn wise ways, the ways of God, we must unlearn our native tendencies, which show up in the middle of the hustle and bustle of life. Often, we have to be, we must be willing to exchange our current approach to living life and learn a new way if we're going to align with what's wise. This can be painful. It can cause you to feel stupid. The Lord has a very different approach to relating to others, to our family, to our friends, even to our enemies, to dating, to work. And we're going to have to trade in our current approach often for God's way if we want to grow in wisdom. Wisdom has a specific focus. It's on God, who is the source of wisdom. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Wisdom isn't focused on educating us in subjects like we learn in school, like science, math, language, geography, social studies, and so on. Wisdom's quest for knowledge is focused on God. It goes beyond science and other subjects that we learn in school to focus on how God made and runs the world, how to connect and cooperate with God, and how life flows under his rule. Wisdom asks an important question, and this is the question that we should be asking. What does God think about? The right attitudes to choose. How to relate to authority. How to communicate. How to work rightly. How to handle money and possessions. How to deal with trouble. Wisdom's goal isn't just to increase our knowledge and information. Wisdom's goal is to change us. And so we don't grow in wisdom in a classroom. Wisdom's goal requires a very different approach than you find in the classroom, which lays out knowledge and principles first. Wisdom flips that upside down. Wisdom's approach is correction first, then principles and reasons follow. Proverbs 1, 23, continuing on in this passage. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? 
If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. Wisdom's method is to test you first, to see if you're humble enough to respond to her correction. If we pass the test of humility, then she pours out her wisdom to us. The test will be a situation that tests your willingness to obey God, follow advice, heed a correction, or respond to a rebuke. This is why humility is a precursor to gaining wisdom. It sets the stage. We have to have humility in order to get wisdom. If we pass the test that wisdom presents, the treasures of wisdom are unlocked. They're opened up to us. When we were first starting the church, I would put a plan together for uh, something that we were planning to do, obviously, that we were planning to do. And I would get advice from a mentor who would often shoot big gaping holes in my plan. And many times, I had already talked to the launch team or the church at large about the plan, and I had laid it out for them and talked about what we are going to do. Uh, so at this point, I had a decision to make. Was I going to press forward with the plan or back away from the plan and readjust it according to uh, the mentor's advice? When I press forward, the church paid a price. Often. But God is gracious and we're still here. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very great, grateful for the grace of God and his graciousness and kindness to work with me. One thing I learned through this whole process is that I need to put plans together as I seek advice on those plans. It talks about this in Proverbs 20:18. Let's look at the nature of correction. Proverbs 6.23 says, For these commands are a lamp, this teaching is a light, and the corrections of discipline are the way to life. Discipline in this passage is a Hebrew word, musar. This is a rich word in Hebrew that has at least two facets of meaning. First, musar uh, discipline is the fund of corrective instruction that we need, and it's like a mutual fund that pays big div dividends if we listen to it, if we draw from it. It's the kind of knowledge that we need to draw from in order to gain wisdom. It's the fund of ideas, perspective, and skills and corrections that we need to align with God's ways. Second, discipline means to chastise, like the instruction a coach gives. A basketball coach isn't primarily concerned with his players' feelings during the game. In practices, he has coached them on how to do things the right way, and he has an objective viewpoint 
on how things should be going during the game. This is like the Wisdom's Fund of Correction that it pours out as we're living our lives. But during the game, he's focused on reminding the players of the right way to do things. And that's chastening. He's chastening them. If you see them huddled during a timeout, often the coach, if he's good, he's he's telling them what to do, what they've done wrong, and instructing them. He's basically chastising them. Um, that that's that's the way it is with wisdom. God wants us to learn wisdom as we are living life, as we're in the game. And that's where we discover it. Musar, then, discipline is both the fund of corrective instruction we need and the pipeline for growing in wisdom. It's the coaching we need. If you learn to receive correction in a humble manner, it is going to be worth more than money in the bank to you. However, because we focus on self-esteem, we view correction as negative because correction doesn't make us feel good about ourselves. And therefore, we must be willing to feel bad about ourselves to align with God's viewpoint and ways. Wisdom must be a higher priority than our self-esteem if we're going to get wisdom. If you're a parent, your role is to discipline your kids. I personally never liked disciplining my kids, but Proverbs says that the rod of discipline is the way you drive folly out of them. So I did it. Parental coaching is the role you play as parents. And it will bless your kids to no end if you discipline them in a godly, kind way. Hebrews 12.11 says, For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Foolish kids bring grief to their parents, but wise kids bring joy. Therefore, we must be willing to discipline our kids, which is painful for them and us. My my mom used to tell me, this is going to hurt me more than it does you, and I could, I could never figure that out. But if we discipline, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. We must look to the future, to what the kids need to get ready for the future. Instead of focusing on fun in the here and now or not disciplining because we just don't want to do it again. But we need to focus on preparing them for the bright future that God has for them. We all desire to be valued by others and to feel good about ourselves. That's normal. 
Growing in wisdom, though, will require us to be willing to feel bad about ourselves to develop it in us, to let God grow it in us and let Lady Wisdom do her work through the corrections of life. To learn wisdom, we must reflect on the law of the harvest. God is a source of real wisdom. He made life and designed it to work best his way. And he has built the law of the harvest into the way life works. Here's the law. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not marked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. I want to encourage you today, as I, as I wrap up, make a habit of reflecting on your life. Take a pause and let God speak to you through his word and through his spirit. Consider what are you reaping? Are you reaping corruption or blessing? Are you experiencing frustration in the flesh or the freedom of sowing to the Spirit? God has a training program for all his children. He is the perfect father. We need to pause and reflect to try to understand what he is trying to teach us. And God teaches us most often through consequences. That's the law of the harvest. You have good fruit, good outcomes, and bad fruit and bad outcomes. So let God's Spirit highlight the truths of Scripture and guide you. This way, you won't live the same day repeatedly like he, the guy lived it in the movie Groundhog Day. We don't get a do-over. We only have one life to live, and wisdom is the way to make the most of it. Pay attention to the consequences that are negative and that repeat. God wants to give you the wisdom to stop those negative patterns, those things that are bringing negative consequences. He, He wants you to get out of the habit of sowing to the flesh and sowing to the spirit. We learn wisdom in the middle of life. Lady wisdom is calling in the streets and the public squares, in the hustle and bustle of life. And it behooves us to make the most of the pipeline of wisdom, which is discipline, or in Hebrew, musar. This means that we must humbly receive the corrections of life from the wise or even fools if they are speaking wisdom to us. God even used a donkey in the Old Testament to correct the prophet Balaam. And I always think of that when I, when I receive a correction that makes me frustrated or Feel bad. 
I I try to think, I try to ask God to help me process things and understand if this is from him. It could be, very well could be. He spoke through a donkey. For our part, we must value the correction that we receive and the wisdom we gain from others, from God himself, from the consequences of living life. We must value it more than our self-esteem. Serious chess players spend about four hours a day, I was amazed by this, comparing their play to the published play of the world's best players. They make their best move, and then they compare it to the move that the expert made. When their move is different from the master's move, the master chess player's move, they pause to determine what the experts saw that they missed. And they adjust their approach to grow, to get better at playing chess. That's humility. They are more interested in gaining skill rather than justifying their own moves. The fact that you need to grow in skill in handling life and relationships, it, it doesn't af- reflect on your worth before God in any way. You are incredibly valuable to him. He has not only made you in his image, which is a source of nobility and dignity and value, But he also, when we marred that image, he came to die for us in the person of Jesus Christ. We are worth so much to God that he would go to great lengths to die for us and help us to live life in a better way. So focus on growing in wisdom. Receive the corrections of Musar and know that God loves you and wants the best for you as he's training you through those corrections. God has been gracious to show us how life works, how it works best in Scripture. So I want to encourage you, pause to reflect on your life right now. What is God trying to teach you? How is he trying to train you? In wisdom, are there patterns in your life that involve relational conflicts, repeated relational conflicts, repeated problems, or other difficulties that just recycle? Compare what God says to do in His Word with what you're doing. That's, that's how we grow in wisdom. If you don't know the word, what God's word says on a matter, ask a more mature believer to show you and to help you work through that. That's a part of humility as well. Pursuing wisdom is worth it because it pays big dividends both now and in the next life. I want to encourage you, as I always do, to take a next step of obedience today to apply wisdom 
to your life. And here are a couple of suggestions. My next step today is to make responding rightly to correction a priority over my own self-esteem. A second step, reflect on repeated relational conflicts and recurring problems and ask, what is God trying to teach me through them? You, you may need to go to someone who's more mature than you in the faith and ask them, hey, this keeps happening. What do you think God's trying to teach me through this? Before I sign off and pray, I'd like to make an announcement. It's a, it's a fantastic announcement. Two weeks ago, we found out that the city of Ontario will be renovating the park and the one across the street, uh, both North and South Celebration Parks, during the months of December and January. This left us without a place to meet for worship. And throughout our history, the history of CIV, God has been writing a story. It's a story of his faithfulness and provision. And this was for sure a cliffhanger part of our story. We didn't have a place to meet for worship during one of the most important seasons of the year when people are interested in attending church for maybe the first time. And it's also an important part of celebrating the God we serve and what he did to enter our world. So I'm happy to tell you that God quickly provided over and above anything I could imagine. He is definitely the hero of our story. First, the Bridge Church in Chino on Pine is willing to share their building with us during the months of December and January. This this is so gracious of them, and I really appreciate them. Second, God has provided a 10,000-square-foot building to lease, which will be a more permanent home for us. <laughs> that is so great. I couldn't see how God would do this. The building is at 2313 East Philadelphia Street, Suite C. It's 10 minutes from the park we're meeting in, from Celebration Park, and it's about 10 minutes from many of our members. Uh, and it, that's such a great thing. A church is meeting there right now, and they'll be moving out uh, at the end of the month, and we'll be moving in as soon as we can renovate the inside of the space and make it our own. We're not sure how long that will take. It could take up to six months. So we may be at the bridge for a couple months and then back in the park uh, before we move into our building for worship. If you are new, new here, I want to invite you to move with us to the bridge, possibly back to the park, and then to the building for our grand opening. You are a part of our story, and we want you to come along on the journey with us. Once again, I'm blown away by the faithfulness of God to provide in the way he has for us. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and grace. And I, I ask you, Lord God, 
to continue to grow us and speak to us. Thank you so much for the provision of a building to lease and for the provision of the bridge. And I pray that, God, you would help us to move forward wisely as we seek your will for our congregation. And I pray that also you'd give us individual members wisdom to respond to the correction in the way that you want us to and to really give us, have the strength, give us the strength, Lord, to step out and do your will and follow your ways of wisdom. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.